Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Jury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I hope you're standing clear because this is episode number 277, marching onward to that beautiful 300 mark. 300. 300 episodes. Unless there's some sort of accident. Well, <laughs> now, now you've gone and done it. Something's going to happen. <laughs> I knocked on wood. Well, um, 300 episodes. That's a lot of shows. And some of our new friends that are joining us that are hopping and that are discovering the show now are going back and listening to the very first shows. You weren't on them, so those are the good ones. It's true. <laughs> I was thinking of the Dwight Schrute meme where he's like, it's true. Yeah. Well, so if you go back, there's a couple of really good episodes in there. I mean, we had the Michael Waddell episode. Most of them are with Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my first Waddell 60 was awesome. some are with Mark Kenyon. Tim Wells was awesome. Mm. We had hell. We had Jim Tomey on. We had that was that was uh, with Kenyon though. Stars. I got I got a lot of crap over the Tomey one. We had Kenyon's really? audience in the beginning. Yeah, and yeah. there were the stick to hunting crowd. Um. Little did they know, I don't care about that. <laughs> you also like the baseballs. Yeah, I mean we're baseball fans. Sports ball. Before we go too far, we have to. Thank our buddy, Chris C. Squared. Yeah, Captain Chris Crazy Johnson. Nuts sent us more uh, insanely good nuts and fine snacks, as the label says. And this one was labeled just format. Not for Tim. And, format. And I, and I don't know why <laughs> it was labeled format. Maybe it was like, because there was other brittle in there. Maybe it was a way to limit your intake. No, I, I already tried all of the peanut brittle. But that you didn't have sent. your name on it. But I also ate a lot of that one. <laughs> so, again, it was really good. Captain Crazy's Nuts and Fine Snacks. And he doesn't sponsor, but he's smart. He keeps sending us food. And he posted in the Rack Pack 25 pounds of snack sticks that he's working on. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay, I did see that. Yeah. Are we getting that? I don't know. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> maybe after this episode. Maybe Guilt so. into sending us more <laughs> right, food. Right. Hey, well, Friday we had a party. Listen. Listen. It we, was it We was had a, a good down. party. Yeah. You you were there for part of it. I had to make a, a, an appearance. <clears throat> we went up to the farm. The the new farm that I bought last year. We everything's looking so nice thanks to Scott mostly. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a golf course. Guys. Scott had COVID. This is the worst thing. I feel like such a jerk. And actually, you should feel like the jerk because uh-huh. this is your fault. Okay. <clears throat> I'm curious Let- how this is going to pan out here. <laughs> okay. So here's the breakdown. Okay. Scott's fiance. He sends her to Vegas thinking, I'm a great fiance. Her friends are going to Vegas. Mm-hmm. You here's a ticket. Surprise, you're going to Vegas. She comes back from Vegas. She brings back COVID, unbeknownst to poor Scott. Scott at the farm all day the next day, and he tells me that night, hey, I found out Amber's got COVID. What should I do? I say, well, I'll stay out of the office Friday just in case, work from home. Yep. So he finds out, you know, Sunday he tells me that he was sick as a dog Saturday and all that stuff. And so we were waiting, hoping that by Friday he got a negative COVID test and he wasn't showing any symptoms and he mm-hmm. could come up. Yeah. Well, 
I'm pretty sure almost all of us, if not all of us, have had COVID in this office. So on Friday morning, I send a group text to the to the, the fellas here at the studio. Here we go. Here's where you're a dick. <laughs> so I was like, hey, look, I don't really care. Because here's here's where it comes down to boils down to. Because you're me. a scientist also. You should remind people. I we shouldn't get into the politics side of it because I don't think that will fare well for anyone. But anyways, so Scott's done a ton of work at the farm, as we all know. He helps me in more ways than, I mean, I can't count the amount of ways that Scott Scott helps Mm -hmm. accomplish all the daily tasks that I have to get done, whether it's at the farm or here at the studio. Key guy. 100%. So I wanted Scott to be at the farm party that he helped me renovate that farmhouse and help make the property look beautiful and all that stuff. But you know your desire does not impact... His body chemistry. Well, so maybe it th- does. we did the math in our heads that maybe by then, five days, you know, if you Carry look at the, the guidelines, he should be okay. Most everybody had COVID already. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure several have bought, brought it into the studio, not naming names. I know one person on the dais here has brought it into the studio. And you know it you wasn't can, me. You can get it again, right? <clears throat> and I know you can get okay. it again. My point is, I wanted to say, hey, guys. What do we think? Can Scott come? Maybe wear you know a face mask or something. Whatever. Send a group text right out of the gate. Immediately, Tim said, "No, I don't think it's a good idea. I think he should stay quarantined." Also, because I don't like Scott a whole lot, and I was surprised. I was really? very surprised. Really? I was very. I was shocked. Mm. And so then I was like, "Okay, I get it." And you know, I'm here's where I'm at on it. I don't care. I think he could come up. And then everybody's like, "Hey, you know, same." But if one person's not comfortable. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't do it. You were the one person. Was I? I felt like that was kind of dickish. Well, when you ask people their opinions and then they give them to you, you can't complain about what they say. Well, regardless, he was uh, not feeling the greatest that day. I called him that morning and well, we talked. Why didn't you and... lead with that fact? No, no, I called him after the fact. No, in the story. No, I wanted you to look bad. <laughs> so I called him after the fact, and, uh, and, and he had a head cold. He's over there. He's in the office now, by the way. And uh, he had a head cold, still some symptoms, and it, it just kind of sucked. But he didn't sound the best either. But we ended up, I mean, we smoked, what was it, a pork shoulder. And we had smoked deer queso. And we had smoking cheese bur- is next level. And brats. And Matt Arndt, as we alluded to on the podcast. Oh, no, this was after the podcast. Didn't it last week? We, you know, berated him for not recording <laughs> the Tim Sylvia podcast. We all remember that. He made so many baked goods and, like, and loaded jello shots and pudding shots and, like, unbelievable the amount of work that Matt Arndt did. Uh, but, anyways, we had a hell of a day at the farm. Yeah, we, we shot sh- skeet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, sh- yeah, we shot clays. We fished. Uh, There's some catfish in that pond. Yep. And shot bows. Yep. Didn't lose any arrows to my cornhole. knowledge. T- cornhole. Terry came up. Yep. He he sucked at it. Brought the sauce kit. So we're shooting hockey pucks. Yep. No one got hurt. Washers. Mm-hmm. Literally. And it was the most beautiful day. I mean, it was like high of low 80s, high it 70s, somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, and the humidity was low. And believe me, I, I would have preferred to stay 100%. Oh, I just, thought you were going to say, believe me, I would have preferred Scott had been there, but you brought it back to yourself. 
<laughs> well, also because I took crap for not staying the whole time. Yeah. I, I took mean, crap on a number of different <laughs> levels on that day. But regardless, we had a blast. I feel bad that Scott wasn't there because all the work he did, but he couldn't make it. So it goes. Felt bad. You had to leave early. Uh, Joe Tierney had to go. Some of the guys from the studio. But ultimately, yeah. we had a hell of a good time. And some of us stayed up to about 3, 4 a.m., not naming names, Alan. <laughs> Looking at the stars. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, something like that. We we set up. I had bought during like a Black Friday last year a 70-inch TV for the shop to like proof footage. And, you know, I was thinking this is going to be where we're going to spend most of our time in the shop. Well, we finally yeah. just pulled that out of the box and we set a Nintendo Switch up. So oh, like yeah. nice. Mario Kart was rolling and beer pong perfect it was just you know people those people weren't leaving the people that stayed at that point but everybody you know spent the night and it was just a fun 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 time it it was so perfect and terry was watching me go do different things he's like tim you're an animal you don't you don't sit down i was like i don't have much time here i'm trying to do everything all right guys let's shoot a boat okay let's go fishing okay guys uh let's check 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 all right again i gotta get out of here all right case of check uh chip check and i drove like a madman back to st louis But it was awesome. It was a great time. Yep. It was just nice just to relax a little bit. Probably the last time, but we won't get into that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So so as a little teaser for the real wild clip this week, it's really weird. It's like cryptozoologically weird. Cryptocurrency or what do we... Nope. But still crypto. Mm. Cryptozoologically weird. So make sure you stay tuned for that. (laughs) It's going to be a good one. Well, now, Tim, I am... Because I, I never know this stuff leading into... It's impossible to know. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see it. If it doesn't live up to it, it's just one more time you disappointed me. Well, I'm sure you'll let people know. <laughs> well, this sucks. Can we stop the show and talk about this? But it, like this video can A lot of problems with you people. <laughs> now you're going to hear about That's them. That's right. But we're going to solve some problems. People are thinking about their food plots this time of year and what to do, how to do it, when to do it. We've got one of our best food plotters on... The horn, as they say. One of the best DOD team food plotters. Mr. Killer. Adam Anderson. What's up, buddy? How's it going? How's it going, guys? It's going good. You had to sit through that long intro, but... (laughs) Hey, that's all right. I'm just jealous I wasn't there last weekend, man. That sounded like a great time. I've seen seen all the pictures on social media, and yeah, it looked awesome. Yeah, we had a day. That's for sure. It's And one of those things, like, we haven't had a Christmas party in forever. Just every time we go to have a Christmas party. There's like a flare up in St. Louis of COVID <laughs> yeah. and we can't literally like the restaurants are shut down and it's yeah, Christmas goes. in July. Yeah. So this is a, we did a very good makeup. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> yeah. So we got our money's worth. Lots of food. So Adam, all right, here's the time of year. And I know that not only do you have a passion for this, but you actually are starting, have started kind of a land management side um, on the side where you do food plotting and, you know, probably timber stand improvement for people and all kinds of different things. So this is yep. good to have you on and, and dive into it. Cause I know you take it very seriously and you got all the right equipment, but here we are as we're filming it, it's August 2nd. What should people in say the, you know, the Midwest, cause I think that's usually the first kind of where people start. And then, then the Southeast is a little bit later. Mm-hmm. I'm not real sure about the Northeast, but what should we be preparing ourselves for right now? What should we be doing right now? Well, um, first of all, I want to say thanks for the opportunity, opportunity to be able to come on today. This is, uh, this is something I've been wanting to do with you guys for quite a while. So I appreciate this. Um, but as of right now here in the Midwest, um, 
you know, obviously fall plots are going to be going in here really soon. Some people have already got them in. Um, I know I have a couple of buddies here that have already planted their turnips and got everything in, you know. Uh, me personally, I don't like to plant uh, my green plots, my fall plots, if you will, until usually around the middle of August. Hmm. Um, you know, right now I've got everything already, you know, already fertilized, everything sprayed. It's ready to rock and roll. I'm just going to wait until I see a rain coming, you know, in the, in the, in the forecast, um, and then go in there and work up everything and go ahead and plant. Um, some people seems like they might plant just a little, little bit early, you know, and I don't know if there's really a right or wrong to that. Um, but it just seems from my experience, you know, it seems to work a little bit better if you plant just a little bit later in August, you know, we seem to so. get some of just the really brutal heat during this time of year. And, and yes. to me, that's always the scary thing about planting too early. Right. Yeah. Cause once, you know, once those seeds germinate, then you might have 10, 14 days, 20 days of no rain, then everything's just going to burn up, you know? Like so if you can time it right, um, you know, it can work out really well, but <laughs> Obviously, it can kind of screw you in the end, too, because if you wait till the middle of August, you know, and then it just stops raining. seems like that first part of August, we get some pretty good, you know, some pretty good and decent rains. You know, there's two or three windows there, it seems like. And then once it quits raining, it just stops sometimes, you know, but it's just hard to say. Mother Nature can be brutal. I was sure. talking to Aaron Bennett about this morning because he was saying he was getting he was we have a good uh, front pushing through here in the, the St. Louis area today or tomorrow and the next day mm. and he's like man i think i'm gonna try to plant some of my plots and get them in and i'm like yeah but have you looked at the two-week forecast you know in deer cast it looks brutal and not yep. only dry but hot super really hot. hot yeah and he's like yeah but you know how it goes we might hit four pop-up showers little thunderstorms between now and then that aren't forecasted and and that's kind of like the system moving in tomorrow that's kind of where same same scenario mm -hmm. and I, he's right but something about that i feel like every year like you said you see a early august good rain event and then it's like that middle part of the month is just nothing happening and like last year we planted a shit marthasville we planted like three different times we just you know rain was supposed to be coming we'd plant it and maybe a little bit came and germinated it and then nothing for weeks and it would die out and it's i think that's the biggest concern as you go into it and i i know in talking with mark and terry this morning they were both like no not planning anything not as too early mm. we're, you know it, yeah. it's i think it's going to be super dry it's which mark he's not had hardly any rain all that rain that we got the flooding and all that stuff he got he missed, missed all that stuff so i know they're yep. super duper dry up there yep. so yeah we've been you know all my uh all my grain you know i, I farm some too but all my corn and beans and you know obviously i'll leave several acres you know standing for for deer as well mm -hmm. but everything's doing really well we've been blessed here seems like the whole month of july you know we were getting a half inch to a to an inch every 10 days or so which was a huge blessing you know the, the years pass it seems like it's always split around us you know and this sure. year it's been it's been perfect you know for where i'm at here so well, that's the tough thing about about august rains is that you you may get a pop-up shower but a lot of times they can be really severe to the point where yeah. they're just like they're probably they could be more damaging than they are doing good because exactly. the rain just hits so quickly and so hard oh gully yep. washer yeah that's right it, it, doesn't, it doesn't ever seem like we can have like the perfect rain like it's either 
going to rain a tenth or it's going to rain three or four inches. It seems like, you know, and like a tenth, you never can get just everything perfect. A tenth is brutal. Like if you're, it germinates, <laughs> it's enough to germinate it. But then if you don't get anything coming in the next few weeks after that, it'll, it's a pump fake. Yeah. It'll, it'll kill it. Everything will die. Mother Germinate nature, and then die. Mother nature yep. pump fake. Yeah. What about seed coats, Adam? Do you do anything with seed coats to extend the viability of your seeds? So I personally don't. I know several guys on the team and several of my buddies that do. Um, just I don't. You know, I always just use the, the mossy oak biologic the way it comes and, mm-hmm. and go that route, you know. But um, obviously, like on my beans and my corn, everything's coated, you know, there. Yeah. But green plots, I've, I've never used the seed coating at all. We use that Delta Ag seed coat, and it's, you know, something Mark and Terry, you know, showed me or taught taught me, and we weren't using it the first few years. And it does make a huge difference when you're talking about planting in August like this. If you think, hey, <clears throat> we're supposed to get a rain, and then all of a sudden it, it, you don't, mm-hmm. it saves your butt. I mean, it, it'll give you a 30, 45 days easily uh, wow. uh, waiting yeah. for that rain. You know, Now, if you get rain and it germinates, you're you're done yeah <laughs> you know yeah. It is what it is you're off to the yeah, races the seed coats no longer effective at that point but like, right. and that's something that, that i only recently learned about seed coats from from you guys from mark and and from what i understand it's it's there's graphite powder in it so it makes it unpalatable to birds and other things that would want to eat the seed but somehow it also performs it also kind of creates like a shell like a like a water membrane around it the not a water membrane but a membrane to kind of keep the water in the seed and to keep it from drying out yeah basically i mean i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, Let's it go sounds that. like that's yeah. more you detail. Good, Tim. I like that. Yeah. All just... I know is your hands get really black when you're you're putting it in. Yeah, yeah. They don't yep. they don't uh, suggest inhaling that stuff. It's not good for the old lungs. So so in terms of what kind of plots you're planting, what 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 uh, what species are you planting? Are you doing any architecture around your bow stands versus rifle stands? Like, what's your strategy there? Yep. So, um, I have several clover fields, you know, um, and I've actually, I've sold a few of my farms the last couple of years, you know, with the prices and everything, like I've been flipping farms, you know, I've been buying a few farms and selling a few, you know, and so I'm kind of actually coming into this year. Um, I guess really everything's going to be fairly new. You know, I've got one farm that, you know, I had last year and everything else is new, you know, so, I'm really, um, this is kind of a learning year for me just because I'm kind of starting all over again, but I do have some existing clover fields, you know, that, um, I came in back in March, you know, late February, first part of March and frosted clover, they come up really well. Um, so I love clover fields, you know, clover can be super effective. Um, and then I've got, I plant a lot of, uh, mossy oak biologic deer radishes. Those deer radishes are probably my, uh, my favorite, you know, bulb um food source i guess you know whether it be a radish or a turnip or whatever but those uh those deer radishes are i've had really good luck with those um i do a lot of turnips and stuff for late season you know the winter bulb sugar beets um i do some last bite you know it's got the oats and you know the the clover and you know all that the wheat and stuff in it you know um, i've had really good luck with that um and obviously like i said earlier you know i leave a lot of grain too i really depend on the grain to get the deer through, you know, through the winter, you know, I plant a lot of corn and uh, leave a lot of standing beans, you know, for the deer for, for come late season, you know, try to get them through springtime. Um, but yeah, I mean, I always try to plant my, 
try to plant my green fields, you know, close to the blinds. You know, I, I hunt out of box blinds a lot. Just I've had really good luck with it. Um, some people bash me on social media, you know, or whatever. They, they just don't agree with box blinds. But for me, man, I've been using box blinds for five or six years now, and they've become so effective. I mean, 90 mm. percent of my sets now are out of box blinds. Um, just because you can put that blind wherever the heck you want it, you know, like, because very few times there's the perfect tree, you know, where yeah. that blind, you can pick it up with your tractor and move it, you know, for the right wind or, you know, if the deer coming in from one side of the field and you want to move just a little bit closer to them, you know, they can be so effective doing that. Um, but like I said, where I was going with that is normally I'll try to, to plant my, my green food sources in and around, you know, the box blinds just because a lot of times the deer will come out of, you know, come out of the bedrooms, they'll go to that green first and then they'll kind of spread out from there and go to the grain, you know, if that makes sense. So. Gotcha. So are you hunting box blinds even in early season? And if so, like, how do you manage the heat that builds up inside those things? Yeah. Um, so if you guys remember a couple, been two years ago, I killed a buck I called breakdown. Um, he was a really good, you know, Missouri buck. I think he was like 167, somewhere right in there. But I actually hunted that deer um, for seven nights straight and it was 80 degrees every night, you know, and the, the crazy thing was, was um, I was in a muddy bowl at the time and I remember getting in that blind and it was hot, like immediately you'd climb in there and the wind was wrong. Like it, I shouldn't even been hunting this deer like at this time, but it was kind of one of those deals, you know, I've had such good luck with those box blinds. As long as you keep the windows shut up, you know, you nose jam everything, you know, you set, set crush everything. You can be really effective doing that. So we're sitting in that box blind and it's like, I swear it's 180 degrees in there. You know, it was brutal. We've done that for seven nights straight. And finally on the seventh night, like, you know, I killed them. Um, but we've seen them, I think five, five times out of the seven nights, you know, um, and it's, it, they can be brutal, you know, but I've got a little, uh, electric battery powered fan that I'll, that I'll take with me, you know, and just turn that thing on and, uh-huh just do everything you can just to have a little bit of air circulation, sent, you know, but they can be pretty rough. I sent Scott a link a couple of weeks ago, this product that Jeff Foxworthy, you see it on, you get ads for it on social media and it's a cooler. It's the redneck cooler. You saw like Mark and a bunch of people have made these homemade versions. Sure. Well, this is an actual like uh, manufactured version. And I told Scott, I was like, we're getting that sucker this year because we got a, a blind or a spot we call hot corner. And it's where I actually killed my late season deer. But in the early season, it's probably better. It's an early season, late season spot. And in the early season, I mean, there's a lot of deer coming out to the beans that the farmer has there, but it's just the sun beats down on it. That It just, it sucks, honestly. I mean, it's every bit of 120 degrees in that blind. And That's it brutal. makes you not want to go but I, my pictures trail cam pictures last year th- there's several times in the early season where we should have hunted it mm-hmm. and you just don't want to be inside it anytime we went in there we're just like holy even in the like even when we got to november if we hit a kind of a warm day and that evening sun hitting it it just hot yeah and and we hunted it like you on the wrong wind or, or kind of a questionable wind well you got to keep all the windows shut so mm-hmm. this year I was like, we're, we're not messing around, man. We're going to buy one of those things and take it in there and keep it in there or something. I don't know. We'd have to haul the ice in, I guess, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, it's a cooler, so it's still pretty bulky, but, yeah. uh, it, it, it's like fairly quiet and it's made for, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. could be a lifesaver for well, you. Definitely make you want to go hunt the spot a little bit more. 
I'm, I'm right. curious because I, I don't get to hunt out of box blinds much at all. When you like, say you've got a deer maybe at 25, 20 yards in front of you, and then you, so you guys, I'm assuming you're keeping the windows closed until it's time to shoot. How much time do you think you have, especially if the wind is wrong, how much time do you have between when you open the window and the scent starts dispersing out of that hot box and towards the. I'll let you not, go out. Not very long. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'd say, I don't even know, 30 seconds tops. I mean, you like, it's kind of one of those deals you want to be open. It also depends on how hard the wind's blowing, you know, and all that. But there's a lot of different things that would factor into that. But I know for me, like, whenever I shot breakdown that night, I was self filming. Like, it was the first night that I'd been self filming, you know, because. It was the, it was actually, um, the wind was, I mean, literally he was blowing right to his bedroom. I mean, like I said, we'd seen him five nights out of seven nights and he'd come out of the same spot every night, uh-huh. you know, and I thought that there was maybe a good chance that we'd see him, you know, that I'd see him that night. So I told my buddy JT, I said, Hey, I was like, I'm just going to go self film, film tonight because the wind was like bad of all bads. So, I mean, it, you know, just to try to cut down the scent literally in half. I'm like, I'm going to go self film. I'm going to see if I can get it done, you know? And sure enough, that deer walks out, you know, is really close to dark he comes over works a scrape and he's straight downwind i mean like he's right there he's working a scrape and he comes out into the standing beans and i remember he got broadside and i reached up opened up that window real quick like you got to be pretty fast with it you know and Mm. it's kind of hard to do that because you know i hate being rushed whenever the opportunity presents itself you know for one but then trying to sell film like there was so many things going on there you know um yeah but I made it, I made the shot, which I was really happy with that. So it's, it's that moment where you have to put the window down. People can give you crap all they want about hunting in a box blind, but it's not a guarantee. And it's that window, that part there alone is the one part that will make or break you. And, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where you mentioned the wind and wind speed. That is a neat part of the new DeerCast features and DeerCast maps, that wind direction and seeing it, what it's doing in the mm-hmm. actual cone, the wind cone based on the speed. And the faster you could see it and, and the animation on that on the map, how fast it's blowing depending on how what the wind speed is. Yeah, very so, intentional about I that. I mean, it gives you, it gives you, you know, the, the slower the speeds, the more time you have. But, sure. you know, if you think about you're inside that blind sweating and maybe you got ozone running in it, that helps certainly, you know, as you open the window. But as soon as you open it, it's more or less puking out like whatever's inside room. there. Yeah. yeah. You know, think about if you there's a, a small room that's a five by five room. And if there's a smell of any kind in that room, if you open the door, you're going to smell that smell, whatever it is. So mm-hmm. that's the generally speaking, the same principle. Ooh, that smell. So you, that, that, I mean, I used to open the window sooner because I hate the moment of open, put your release aid on rain, arrange release aid, shoot. That's very tense. It's a lot. Yeah. But yeah. the, if the earlier you open it, the more chances you have of getting busted. Mm. So yep. if you're hunting it on the wrong wind, especially. So, I mean, there's times where we might be hunting in it on a great wind and we leave the front window open or something, you know, to, cause it is hot or yep. whatever the case may be. For but sure. yep. in general, we hunt, even on the right winds, we usually hunt with them closed just because what if a doe gets downwind or what if, uh, you know, mm-hmm. if you're defeating the purpose, if, if the windows are open, yeah, I know, sense. you know, Mark and those guys, I've seen them where they, they hunt with the windows open on the right winds, 
Um, but I, in general, if they're closed that moment, you want to just wait until the very end to hurry up, mm-hmm. open, get all your stuff together and shoot. And, and a lot can go wrong in a yes. few seconds. The other part about it that, that you really got to watch out is the clearance. Just making sure you clear the window, mm-hmm. the bottom of the, the windowsill. Yeah. Yep. That's happened to me a couple of times. <laughs> I yeah, remember. It yeah. can be it can be a challenge for sure. I mean, like I said, people, you know, a lot of people don't like box blinds and all that, but but they definitely have their advantages and uh, disadvantages, but more advantages than than disadvantage, you know, disadvantages. Certainly I think. on getting in on a mature whitetail, getting in close on them and, and fooling their nose. The the yeah. disadvantage of not having that free, you know, not really knowing your surroundings as well behind you or mm-hmm. not having your ability to swing around as easily. I get tied, you know, my tact cam got tied up and, you know, I had it on a bow and it got tied up in the window. I mean, there's things that can go wrong, Yeah. but, uh, in general, I've killed a lot more, or I've had a lot more success, especially on the, that lease in uh, Ellsbury way more success. Once we put that box blind up there, mm-hmm. cause we were on the top of a Ridge and we were always hunting it for evening hunts, you know, afternoon hunts. Yeah. And as your thermals drop down the Ridge, I never could figure out. It's like, man, we got a good wind. We got a good wind, but it was the thermals thermal dropping down. down. Yeah. And right when all the deer started moving in the last 30 or 45 minutes is when the thermals start dropping down. And we just weren't having a ton of luck seeing mature deer. Mm-hmm. And once we put the box blind up in that spot, because I was in a tree in the middle of a fence line there, once we put the box blind up, totally changed the, sure. the way that farm hunted. And it made that food plot an absolute killer because of it. Yeah. yeah, Adam, you made that point earlier. There's just not always a tree where you want to hunt, and that's the nice thing that box blinds yep. on a little platform will do for you. I right. will, That's the advice, though, I would give. Like, I'd put it on something where you can move it around. It makes it a lot. We started putting mm-hmm. them for on sure. skids or these keen outdoor trailers, which that's that's obviously a much more expensive option, but a cheap option is putting it on skids sure. and hooking to it and dragging it wherever you need to drag it. And yep. that's a game even changer. If, even if it's just five or 10 feet, 20 feet, whatever, yeah. like just a little bit of just moving just a little bit can make such a big difference. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Adam, so, so let's say maybe some folks are a couple weeks out from planting, um, should they be doing some soil testing if they haven't done that? Should they be, you know, checking for pH and maybe hitting some lime if they need to do that? What kind of like soil prep things would you suggest right now? Yeah, um, I would definitely, you know, if you haven't done soil tests, I would definitely do that as quick as possible. Unless, you know, unless it's too late, too late where you're at, um, you know, with the input cost of everything right now between the chemical, the fertilizer, the seed, everything's just literally quadrupled this year. I don't know. Um, it's scary, you know, so, um, you know, doing a, a simple soil test, you know, just going out there and doing one of those, taking it to your local co-op or MFA or whatever, and having them send it in, it can actually save you a lot of money because it'll tell you, you know, what fertilizer you need. Instead, instead of just going out and taking a wild guess and putting on 400 pounds per acre or whatever, you know, um, you might only need to apply a hundred pounds per acre, you know, where in the long term it could save you a lot of money. So biologic has that ability too, where you can send it into biologic, go to their website, plantbiologic.com and they got soil tests that you can print out and then you fill it out and it goes, it might go to the local university extension, Mississippi state, or I don't recall, but they, they'll, I mean, we get our results back really, really quick through them. Yep. Yep. I think a couple of years ago I sent them into biologic and yeah, that's how I did it that year. So 
When you say quick, is that like a couple weeks? No, I mean, I feel like within a week we had him back. Huh. Okay. Now, I don't know. I gave Bobby a heads up that they were going in, but so mm-hmm. I don't know if that played into it or not, but it, it was quick. We got him back very quickly. Okay. Yeah. So people could yep. still have some time to get that done. Yeah. 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 Soil tests definitely recommend them though, because like I said, the input cost this year, everything's just crazy, you know, fertilizer and all that. Yeah. We, you know, we're, you, we have a lot of smaller food plots, so we're trying that, which we tried it last year, that plot boost. Mm-hmm. And we're utilizing that plot boost, which is a spray, you spray it on, you know, and that, that seems to, you can lime or it's like yep. a fertilizer. They have two different versions of it, I think, but right. Yep. It's, it's, I mean, we saw some really good results out of it last year, so we're giving it a shot again this year. Yeah, and they're awesome. not a partner or affiliation. We just—it's something that I think Aaron Bennett recommended it to me, and it worked pretty good. Good deal. One of the things I've got to figure out is so I've got a a, a new location for a timber plot that I want to put in in the next week or so. But my problem is with the timber plot is always, you know, you start hitting October and into November, you get all the leaves that drop off the trees and they just want to kill. I mean, that's, that's the other design of a leaf is to fall down and kill out everything that's beneath it to keep the, you know, all the, 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 the soil there open for that particular tree. So I've got to think through how I'm going to get in there and not cause too much disturbance and clear out all those leaves once once that happens. Sounds that starts like you're happening. gonna be going in with a rake, <laughs> probably. Yeah, raking someone like a, a yard that's way back in the woods. Yeah, nose jam the heck out of your boots and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe think, take like an electric leaf blower or something too. You know that might work. I, I mean, you're take running. a four wheeler back there and let the four wheeler just keep keep your four wheeler running. You know, and then just go around, just try to blow them all out of there as quick as possible and get out of there. You know. Can you take a four-wheeler to that property? It's all suburbia stuff. Well, it's just it, the timber is too thick to get oh. anything with even a four-wheeler. Wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's thick and it's like it's on a crazy angle. Will so. you get? What is your food plot going to be on an angle? Mm, parts of it. Will you get anything to grow? I mean, legitimate all, question: Will anything grow on? I it? I mean, already there. So, so the the landowners did some TSI years ago, and they sold off some timber. So there's kind of an open spot. It's got a, a like a really lush. I don't know what's growing there right now, but it's lush vegetation. It's about three or four inches deep, and uh, so it's getting enough sunlight to support vegetation. It's just a matter of going in there, clearing that out, and liming it because I and I know the soil is just super acidic. And then, uh, then planting and hoping we don't get a, a rain that just washes everything down the hill. Would you be able to go in and this time of year and just trim? Would they allow you to trim a couple? I mean, how big of trees are you talking here? Like you said, so thick. Oh, uh, there's a lot of it, it's it's a mixture of saplings and like some ironwood, and then uh, and then some some larger you know could, trees. Could you trim your the sapling path? I mean. Pot. Oh, man, it would just... And then that way you have the access, not only your access in, mm-hmm. but the ability to bring in a four wheeler later on to like yeah. once or twice. Yeah, I have to think through. I have to have to just have to do some like bench cutting of the the hill to make something level enough to get a four wheeler back in there. Just I mean, it's the that angle, steep. The angle is so crazy. No it's, way. It's is a food plot going to grow in it's, that it's steep. In the, of... It's in the back of a holler. So just so, like getting there is really difficult. Gotcha. The, there, like it, there are some level spots in there, but it kind of, it's a little wavy. Gotcha. So, but I saw a deer running through there as, as, as I was hanging a stand last week. 
So they're there. Tim, seeing a deer is half the battle. That's right. G.I. <laughs> Joe. That's me. Mm. <laughs> that's a much. I don't know. I feel like that's a stretch <laughs> to call yourself G.I. Joe because yeah. you go in there and hunt yeah, on he's the a hillside. Car- he's a cartoon, isn't he? <laughs> So, uh, so Adam, as far as, uh, so I know you said you're hunting a lot of new farms this year. Do you have like cameras out? Do you have any prospects going? Yeah, I, I do have a couple of Recon XL cameras out right now. Um, and honestly, I'm getting some, like my best pictures, I guess would be right here behind my house. I only have 12 <laughs> acres that I live on. It's crazy. I've got farms scattered all over, you know, and I live on 12 acres and I'm getting my biggest deer literally right behind my house, you know, 250 yards behind my house. Um, but I do have some good, oh, you know, a little bit better than average Missouri deer. Um, I mean, I don't have anything crazy yet. I'm just hoping maybe, you know, in August sometime, maybe something will, you know, move in or once they lose their velvet, you know, something will show up. But, um, I'm kind of going the route with, instead of buying a bigger farm, I've been, you know, trying to buy some satellite farms, just trying to buy more farms, you know, just to get it, you know, get into the different deer herds and and that kind of thing. Um, so I sold my sold my bigger farm but um but yeah nothing crazy big yet i'm still checking the cell cams every morning so it's part of the fun of it oh it is unless you never have a deer that's big (laughs) that's not so fun that's so fun huh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's a lot of work you know you do everything you you do all the food plots and spend all the money doing everything and then you don't have a deer you know that really gets you excited you know it can be kind of discouraging at times but yeah but, uh, but in the end, you just kind of, you know, hope and pray that something shows up and you never know anything can show at any time. So now, now what about early season dough management? Will you take a few does there at the outset? Yeah. Yeah. I usually try to kill. Oh, I don't know. I don't shoot near as many as Terry and Mark and them, you know, <laughs> um, but they're, they're hunting farms. I think, you know, where they're, they've been managing them for, you know, more than, a year, (laughs) you know, like they have long-term there. Um, for me, like I said, I'm just kind of buying these little farms and I don't really plan on, it kind of sounds bad, but I don't really plan on keeping them for very long, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, if I do shoot a couple of those, you know, to fill the freezer, awesome. But if I don't, then it's really not that big of a deal to me, you know, I don't know if I should look at it like that or not, but that's just the way, you know, I always look at it like, you know, the places, whether it's the two leases I'm hunting or even the farm that I had bought um, last year, they're all, you know, relatively smaller farms. And I, I don't want to go, if I'm going in to hunt, I think about it like this. If I look at deer cast, it says great. And I'm going in to hunt based on the amount of time that I have. I usually don't want to go in and hunt to try to kill a doe because the limited amount of time I'm trying to kill a buck typically. Mm-hmm. And even then it's rare. Like it takes me all season to do that on just going on great days. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. like the farms are none set up to, you know, process the deer very easily or hang it up and wash it out. Or, you know, is there a, a cooler nearby or is there somewhere I can take it to get processed nearby? Mm-hmm. And it like all those things always factor in for me on shooting does early season we always talk about hey we need like one farm or or original lease like for sure we need to kill some does on it but it's it's more of it's the farm that's farthest away from my house like it's all these items that go into it that make me every year say i'm gonna and every year i don't end up like just being a realist Mm. that's the reason i usually don't 
do that. <laughs> now, yeah. if we were up there during gun season and we have a chance to pop a, a doe after we shot a buck or something like that, you know, we got the tags, it, then it makes sense because mm-hmm. you're already going through all the the motions. Yeah. But I For struggled sure. to want to – now, if I go up to dad's and he's like, hey, need you to kill a couple of does early, I have no problem. It's not that I have a problem shooting the does because he's set up for it. He's got a walk-in cooler. We can spray it out right there. Like, yeah. it's so much easier. And you're right there on the property. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you, you're yeah. much different. I understand, like, you don't have no problem shooting a doe. If one walks by, you'll shoot it. I, you process it. You'll sit up till 3 a.m. and get back to your house. Like, you have no problem doing any of that. Sometimes I hesitate, though, because I, I, I'm i thinking, especially if it gets down to that last light period, if it's early, if I go out for an afternoon sit and it's early and I feel like the field can reset after the shot, then I might, I might take the shot. But I don't like having a bloody arrow there. I don't like having a nocturnal glowing right in front of me if I'm if if I still have an unfilled buck tag. So it it's definitely part of my calculus too that I I really consider whether or not to shoot a doe. It just depends on the time of the season. Usually, you how many two or three does a year, typically? Mm-hmm. Four. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that would be rare. I mean, I, I, every year I buy like six archery tags. I don't know why I do it. They're so cheap in Missouri for a resident. But yeah, seven bucks. It, it, but I never end up filling them. Maybe one max, but it, that's rare. I just, I don't know. It always comes down to the decision and the moment of truth. It's like, ugh, I should. Like now, sometimes if a doe comes in and she's winded us, you know, and you, she's stopping, then we've done it where we try to make that call and shoot her, but then we've jacked around long enough and it's, you know, like I wanted to shoot her, but I waited too long to make the decision. Like that happens to me at least a couple times a year, but, uh, I probably need to do a better job. Honestly, it's hard because you just, you don't know if the big buck is maybe 45 yards away, just out of sight and he's about to walk in and you're about to let one fly on a doe and yeah. You always wonder what yeah. if. Yeah. And I think a lot of it just depends also like what you're getting on cameras, you know, like if there's been a buck there, you know, like the night before, a couple of nights before, you know, where if you, you're sitting on a food plot and you've not had a picture of a mature deer that you want to shoot for two weeks, you know, it's like, well, I'll, I'll shoot some does, you know, sure. that's yeah. not an issue. Yeah. I, I, I do really like shooting does early on because it, it kind of gets the, it kind of works the cobwebs out of my shooting process and just kind of, it's so like every year, the first deer I come to full draw on, I just, it seems so surreal to have a deer in the pen. Cause you've been looking at a target all summer as you've been doing your practice shooting. And now you've got a real deer standing behind your pin. And it's just like, this is what it all, you know, I've been waiting for this the whole year. And now it's finally here. And that, dad always yeah. says the same thing. He's always like, just to knock the cobwebs off, you need to go kill a doe mm-hmm. and you get, you know, process the meat, you get it, you know, fill the freezer early and then you don't have to worry about it. And I always say, yeah, this is the year. <laughs> Makes sense. But I always struggle. This year I probably need to because last year I didn't kill squat with my bow because I didn't have anything within bow range, any bucks within bow sure. range. That's, I guess, sure. the negative side of it. You know, if you're waiting for just a, a buck that excites you to come in a bow range, Sometimes that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how many <laughs> days you go afield. Right, right. Yeah, so. it might be several months. You know, it's just hard to say. Yeah. So, so don't let, let look a gift deer in the mouth. <laughs> but I, I guess I out? just need to uh, work the cobwebs out like forty or fifty times every year, just because <laughs> I'm a mess. It don't matter if it's a doe or a buck or whatever. It just seems like, you know, it, it's it's crazy. 
but pick, I get excited. Pick a mature sure. doe then because there's a much more body cavity to hit there. Right. <laughs> in case yeah. you're getting so excited, yeah. you make a little bit of an errant shot. Right. But it, it, yeah. it's fun. Like I, I agree. I agree with you, Adam, that I, I get the jitters shooting a doe just as much as I do shooting a buck. It's just something about, I'm going to take this animal's life potentially. And it just yeah. kind of puts you into a different mode. Almost. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. Yep. Well, speaking of animals hmm. and weird, hmm. weird stuff happening. Yes. We've got. Tell me more, Tim. So you guys got to see this. Ben here in our studio. So this is the real wild clip setup. Ben in our studio was with his dad and they were down near DeSoto, Missouri. I think somewhere, somewhere around that area, Missouri. Boo Hill? Is that what they call that? Not, I don't think so. Not quite that far south. And Alan's it's still saying no. still Jefferson County-ish. Okay. Uh, so he and his dad were out, I think in his dad's backyard and they took video of an animal that absolutely confounded me when I saw it. Ah, let's, now I have to see this, Tim. All right. Roll that beautiful bean footage. I don't know what it is. All right. So it looks like That's the weirdest a rabbit, somewhat like a rabbit. Kind of. It's standing on all fours upright, unlike a rabbit. It has no tail. It's got like a weird dark... Oh. A fur area around its butt with a white trim. It's like someone put a stocking cap on its butt. It almost looks like it's uh, armadillo's backside. Yeah, yeah, like a shell almost. Yeah. And it's galloping away. Yeah, it's, it's not running like a rabbit. It's not hopping at all. And, you know, Ben and his dad are both, they're hunters, they're outdoorsmen. Yeah. They, they've seen rabbits before. <laughs> and they were, they were legitimately and... Uh, and, and for good reason, they were confounded by this thing. They're like, what? It's kind of running heck like a dog. It? It's ga- yeah, it's galloping. And then, then it's wa- like picking Walking, its legs along. Yeah. That, that is the craziest <laughs> looking thing I've ever seen. Yeah. In DeSoto, Missouri. I've never seen anything like that. Apparently, they've never seen anything like that either. You hear Ben's that's I've never yeah. seen anything like that. That's the weirdest. I'm so glad they what took the this. What the hell is it? <laughs> These, so, this is one of these deals where if you didn't film it, nobody would believe you. I say yeah. that like every week on the Real Wild That's Clip right. of the Week, but this is crazy. It's the biggest, uh, it's, it's, it's the biggest uh, proof that people say that Bigfoot doesn't exist because everyone's got phones and oh, yeah. you just don't 100%. see any, any footage of it. So, Adam, have you ever seen something like this? No, I have not. I, I, I've never seen nothing like that. I have no idea what the heck that thing is. Is it making you question reality right now? Yeah. Yeah, like Matt said, you know, if you don't have the video, nobody's gonna ever believe you. So I don't know what that is. Not a jackalope. So if, if you're just if you're listening to this show, go to Deercast and watch this episode. I don't know how far we in. I, I can't give you a time code, but go to Deercast or you can watch on YouTube also, so you can see the video. Uh, but come back next week and we will do some research and we will have some kind of answer for oh, you. Oh, that's a hell of a tease. Dig deep that's into a... our zoological background here. That's what they call a deep tease, Tim. The old DT. <laughs> I don't think so, Tim. No? <laughs> no. We tried. So. <laughs> you get what you paid for, folks. This is one of those things where you're saying DT and your wife's going to say, like, don't say that. That's a thing. <laughs> yes, You don't know is. what that means. <laughs> yeah, so... Wouldn't be the first time. Your naivety. Ah, that's my name. All right. So that was real wild. That was real wild. I've never seen that before. Hopefully next week we can, we can solve the mystery. Of the weird. I would like for critter. the rack packers to. We need to post that reel into the rack pack, and I'd like for the rack packers to tell us what the hell that is. 
Okay. I think they're up to it. We got at least a thousand people. Let's do it, Rack now. Packers. How many members do we get? We got All, close to almost a thousand. A thousand. Yeah, we we're at? really put like nine hundred and eighty something. We're Alan, do the research. <laughs> get, let's get the You're boys in the truck on that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on to the question of the day, Tim. How about let's it? do it? All right. The question of the day is proudly brought to you by Blocker Outdoors. Stay comfortable and concealed this deer season in Mossy Oak's new Terra Outland pattern. Found exclusively. Found exclusively on Blocker Outdoors, but also Scentlock. (laughs) (laughs) Exclusively also. I I was reading. I was looking ahead as I was reading. I was like, well, it's not really on both those products. (laughs) So anything with Scent Blocker or Blocker Outdoors, Tim. Blocker Outdoors. I I cannot get over that. I wore Scent Blocker way back in the day. Uh, So did we for like a decade. It's old habits die hard. Yeah. All right, let's get into the question. Hey, Matt. Hey, Tim. Oh, hi, Billy. Love the podcast. Oh, Definitely not my favorite outdoor yeah. podcast, but uh, I do listen oh, every Bill. week. He's a listener. I live That's in Arkansas, listener. and we don't just have an abundant deer population. So my question is, when using a decoy during the rut, do you think a doe decoy or a buck decoy is best to try to attract a big buck in? Thank you, and keep up the good work. Great question. And if our other Rack Packers or listeners want to leave us a question of the day, uh, all that you got to do is hit the link that's in the show notes and record your quick question for us. And if you hear your question used on the show, contact me through the Rack Pack, and we'll send you a podcast hat. Boom. All right, Adam, what do you think here? He's in Arkansas, not a huge uh, deer population. Wants to know in the rut if he goes with a, a doe or a buck decoy to bring a big buck in? Um, well, it's kind of depends on the, the deer that you're hunting, you know, because some bucks um, are really sociable with other deer. Like they want to hang out with other deer. They want to, you know, they're more aggressive. Um, so I guess uh, my best advice would be to, if you've seen the deer in the past, like if you watch them in the summer, like if he's normally by himself or instead of like with a bachelor group of bucks or whatever, um, I'd say maybe go with the doe decoy just because he's probably not going to be very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, the chances are anyways, I, I'm not hundred percent sure, but, um, if you've got a buck that you notice, maybe he came out into a food plot or on, on a, you know, out into a field edge or whatever, you know, sometime just, you know, recently before you're actually hunting him, um, and he's running other deer off the field, you know, or pushing other bucks around, then a buck beef would be, could be really effective. Um, it just kind of depends on the situation, I guess, you know, um, I see, you know, for me early, like late October, you know, in the Midwest, like late October, the first week of November, I think a buck can be really effective as far as like a buck decoy. Mm-hmm. And then the closer, like the more we get into the rut, it seems like a doe decoy would be better, you know, just because when the bucks are really, you know, searching for those does, um, that's that's what I would do, yeah. you know. I kind of think it also depends just in general if he's wanting to use a decoy, where, what his setup is in. If he's in the timber, probably not. I probably wouldn't use it. They tend to get scared and spooked, you know, if they come out of nowhere and see it. It's too close yeah. by the time they see yeah. the visual now, if you If they have a long way to see, you know, out in a field and they can see it from a long way, I've seen so many video clips of deer just coming from hundreds of yards 
directly to the decoy, mm-hmm. posturing, mm-hmm. you know, sidestepping their way in. And it's, it's very, very effective. But sure. um, yeah. I, I think that's one other element to pay attention to. Yep. I, I, I've never used, I don't think I've ever used a deer decoy because one of the things that spooks me is just the scent profile. It's like you're leaving something else out there that could potentially have human scent on it. And I have a hard time getting deer close enough to me in the first place. I would agree with you. (laughs) I mean, Scott and I've used it several times. We don't have problems with younger deer or does. It's, Mm, it's, we just haven't had much luck with mature bucks, but man, watching dad uses it a lot. Like he, it doesn't even, not even like the time of year, that you should use it like all year. I noticed he was using it last year. I mean, there's guys that just have great success with it. Mark will use it kind of right there in the certain period that Adam's talking about, but dad's used it a lot throughout the season with a lot of success, but he's got a regiment that he goes through and spraying it down with, you know, uh, you know, HS spray to make sure it's got no scent on it and watching how they, um, how they handle it. And then using, um, Scott, what what's the stuff that we put on? It's Evercom. Putting Evercom mm. on okay. like the nose of the deer, or maybe uh-huh. the hawks or whatever. Okay. Like, it, and it's a certain kind of Evercom because there's different. They have different smells or whatever, and it, so mm. there's there's like a kind of a way that he goes about it. Yeah. But he's had a lot of success with deer not getting spooked. Um, yeah. So that, that's probably and, one podcast we should just like dive into. It I'd on. be fascinated. Yeah. And something else, like I've noticed too, um, like if I know, um, he said he didn't have a, a really high deer number, but for some areas, you know, who have more deer than others, um, a buck decoy can kind of work against you in a way because you put a buck decoy out and most times than not, you're going to have does in the field first. Well, what happens whenever those does see that buck decoy, a lot of times they'll actually come out and they'll start stomping, you know, maybe blow. They'll come up to it, you know, and then freak out and the field clears, you know, and they'll stand in the timber and just sit there and blow or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. where with a doe decoy, they don't seem to do that near as bad. You know, they kind of come out, they're a little bit more relaxed. Um, that's just what I've noticed, you know, through the years, but I don't really hunt with a decoy like a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, I do use them for about a week to 10 days or so out of the year. Um, but I just don't like, I hate whenever I'm hunting a particular deer and I'll have a buck decoy out. And then at three o'clock in the afternoon, I've got does coming out stomping, you know, and it's like, it just, it seems like it's working against me. So, yeah. Uh, another item on that, I know now this is, this would be more of a luxury of whether you could do this or not, but if you had say an older mount, you know, shoulder mount or something that you had that's maybe seen its better days and you want to construct a way to put that on your as the head for the decoy those real mounts on a decoy mm-hmm. that seems to be like a hell of a way to pull a, a real deer in yeah. as well yeah. so just another tip but man they they can be an absolute pain in the butt to to you know whether you're carrying it in or however you're bringing it in there and getting it out like it's one thing to get in there early enough to set it up and Mm -hmm. make sure it's standing and you got it the way you want it and hidden and sprayed down all that BS that goes along with it. But then you got to remember once the hunt's over, you still got to go jack with that thing and get it back out of there. And it, it, I mean, that sways my opinion on Mm -hmm. how much I use it, honestly, like the success rate and the hassle. Yeah. Sways my opinion on how much I'll use it. Same here. It's a lot, a lot more work involved for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. For something that could work against you. A hundred percent. Yeah. Just not good enough. All right. Okay. The wildlife word. It's brought to you by Mossy Oak Properties. Find your favorite place with a local Mossy Oak land specialist. Mm. Slipper foot is a condition where a deer hooves are elongated like a slipper. Which one of these is not thought to lead to this condition? Is it A, surviving a systemic disease like EHD? B, eating too many carbs too quickly? C, a selenium deficiency? Or D, winning a buy one, get one free coupon at the shoe carnival spin to win? Adam, you get to go first. I think he's... Oh, my. Were you um, listening? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I want to act like I know what I'm talking about here, but, um, which one of these is not thought to lead to this condition? Well, I'd say the, the, the last one, obviously. <laughs> That's right. He shoe gave car- it to you. Shoe carnival gave yeah. it away. Why don't you just yeah. give him the answer? Yeah. I like Adam. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah. I mean, EHD is the one I've heard of a lot. I I've not heard of the, too many carbs too quickly. I thought that could have been a BS word. Sounds like Thanksgiving dinner for me. Yeah. Yeah. You get long feet after that. <laughs> I get slipper foot. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, and uh, so so that's like that's where you have to be careful with supplemental feeding. <laughs> uh, deer can go overboard, and they think that eating too many carbs too quickly, not being able to uh, digest that properly, could lead to slipper foot, along with uh, selenium deficiencies. I mean, yeah, I have never heard of that as it pertains to to supplemental feeding. Yeah, I've never heard of slipper foot in general, though. So. Today's a. I'm glad to have never seen it in the wild. I would hate I, to kill a deer that you know has weird long hooves. I'm I've definitely seen videos like from the team members and stuff. It's EHD. It's all been towards EHD bucks or does mm-hmm. or like I've I've definitely seen that where the hooves are just like a weird long shape. Yeah, but almost like they needed to trim their toenails, kind of thing. Yeah, or or the <laughs> cases where a deer has their hoof has sloughed off. Sloughed. Nasty. We just made your lives better, everybody. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> David Baker seems to think so. Oh, let's hear the shout out today, Tim. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, okay. Are you going to read it? Shout outs are normally something you do. No, they're not. I read That's the Rack right. Pack. I mean, my first how many episodes have you been on with me? Uh, maybe too many now. I do the least. David Baker. I just sit on the dais here and I spew hot takes, Tim. <laughs> hot. Oh, okay. David Baker says, you guys are children in men's bodies. Truth. Don't change a thing. So enjoy the podcast and always get a great laugh and occasionally learn something. Occasionally, keyword. <laughs> Keep up the great work and good luck to all the juries in the upcoming season. Did we just become best friends? Yep. David Baker. <laughs> Thanks, David. Thanks, man. If you want to have your comment read on the podcast, all you got to do is go to your podcast place and leave a comment that says, hey, this is a five-star type of show, and they're five-star type of guys. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> Just came up with that one off the top Jeez. of my head, Timmy. That's our new tagline. Five-star kind of guys. <laughs> the long cut's always the best cut. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Adam, were you a big South Park guy? Probably not a TV guy in general. You're out 
plant food plots? No, no, I've never really been a, a South Park guy at all. Um, you know, like this sounds crazy, but growing up, we didn't ever have TV, you know, like. Well, we how old are you? Uh, just turned 37. Well, come on, Adam. In the last 15 years, you could have at least turned a TV on once to see South Park. <laughs> right. Actually, um, so my wife and I just built a new house about a year and a half ago, and um, we just got Dish Network. Like, we've never had it before, you know? Like, so wow. we've actually got TV now. Not that I ever really watch it, but but every once in a while, I do sit down and watch TV. So, so you're telling us you've been South Park. abusing your wife for a year and a half. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Because you have a young, you have, what, one child with one on the way? No, you guys just had another one, didn't you? What am yeah, I we've got two. We've got a boy that's three and a half. He'll be four in February. And then we just had a girl, oh, seven weeks ago. Yeah, so. congratulations. So how you can't go without TV with a three or four-year-old. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and that's, yeah. Yeah, he's he watches that thing. It's on all the time, you know, he's either playing with his tractors or doing something like that, you know, or watching TV. I will say I enjoy watching like on social media. You always got him out there with you. He's helping you check the trail cameras. He's driving the tracker. He's in the, he's in the cab with you on the tractor. Like you, you got him involved in every daily way that you can. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Living the life in that, in that side of it, just because he wants to be with me all the time, you know, like, it don't matter, like you said, if I'm out checking cameras or if I'm out planting or, you know, just working on the farm in general, like he wants to be right there in the skid loader or the tractor or whatever with me, you know, and and I couldn't, you know, that that just makes me happy because, you know, I hope one day that, you know, it's going to continue with them and, and one day he can be doing what I'm doing. So, oh, yeah, I'm sure soon, you know, he's going to want to go on the hunts with you and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yep. the fun he, stuff. He's going to hunt a lot with me this fall in the box blinds, so. The best is when they get old enough to start giving you advice. Or filming you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm going to teach him to run a camera right now. Yeah. yeah. Cameraman I mean, and put it on a tripod. All he really has to do is make sure it's recorded. I mean, yep. that's anything a child could do. <clears throat> Matt. <laughs> I got the joke. I think Matt got the joke. All right. Mr. Subtlety. <laughs> Mr. Five stars and subtlety. Yeah. Nothing subtle about <laughs> and it. He's the brittle boy. <laughs> <laughs> Who somebody said that on the rack pack, didn't they? Or they yeah, called yeah. me that, the brittle boy. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sounds like you have some kind of illness. Like the bubble boy <laughs> on Seinfeld. He's, he's got soft teeth and his bones are very There's brittle. a fire at the Bubble Boy's house. <laughs> <laughs> bubble Boy was a jackass. He was mean. Yeah. yeah. But if you grew up in a bubble. What do you well, yeah, Adam wouldn't know that reference because he didn't grow up with a TV. No, it's no. a Seinfeld reference. So we'll we'll move I on. Feel, sometimes I feel like I missed out on a lot of things, but oh, uh, you right. didn't. <laughs> yeah, you actually like were productive. <laughs> you lived a life actually that was outdoors. Pretty pretty solid. All right, right. so Adam, I'm sure you're well aware of this because I'm sure you listen to every single uh, episode of the 100% Wild podcast as you're planting your food plots. <clears throat> but every week at the end, we talk about the newest Rack Pack members. The Rack Pack is a private Facebook page that we started, and you basically got to answer a couple of stupid questions. To There's get an into initiation the... process. Yep. You got to kill someone. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> you got to answer these questions on top of that. And then every week, I read off these names that Tim put on a piece of paper. Every mm-hmm. week, he puts a fake name in there. Mm-hmm. Every True. week, I butcher all the names, fake and real. Mm-hmm. Simple so, names, too. S- yeah. <laughs> Mark Gabriel. 
Is that a long A or a short A? What is that? Come on, Mark. Mark. <laughs> Mark. So, all right. So we got Mark Gabriel, Dustin Secor, Gabe Rubel. Oh, Rubel. Gabe. Selena. You. Selenium. 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 I got it. I got well, it. Well, let's continue on. That's got to be the fake name. Because first of all, no girl is just joining the podcast unless she's got a girl and a boy name in that. We've established that. It's always a girl and a boy name together. Like there's a couple, the somebody did Facebook something account. wrong. <laughs> the joint just to Facebook be safe. account. Yeah. All right. And moving on. Every time I bring that up, I get a lot of crap about, about it on the rack pack. Like people don't like when you make fun of the joint. I'm, the I'm joint fine Facebook. with it. I'll make well, fun of it. Because we're men. We have our own accounts. That's right. We're big boys. <laughs> thank you. And I'm a big boy. Okay. We got Tristan Ostrom. Ostrom? Ostrom. Mm. I'm going with Ostrom. Okay. How would you pronounce it? I'd probably say Ostrom. Mm. Jaden Reed? Jaden Reed. You're saying it like a question. <laughs> all, I say all these like a question. Paul Gamma? I'm Ron Burgundy. Paul, Paul Gamma sounds like a superhero. Like it's cool. Gamma Ray. Paul Gamma. Oh, oh, Gamma. Paul Gamma Ray fell into a vat of Gamma Rays. That's right. And that's this week's Rack Pack. So, hey, Alan, how many members do we have? Wake up. How many members do we have? <laughs> how many members do we have in the Rack Pack? I thought you got this answer a while ago when I asked. This is noble information. 976. Come on, Rack Packers. Help us get to 1,000. Adam, if you're not in here, are you in the Rack Pack? No. You son of a... No, I'm not. So, Tim and I purposely have not invited the team members into the Rack Pack because I want to see who's in there and who's not on their own accord. You, sir, get an F. (laughs) Oh, he failed the podcast. I need to get in there. I just... I just wrote an F on this here piece of paper. That means nothing to you, but it means a lot to Tim and I. Well, let me tell you, you're missing out on a lot of shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. we posted a video from uh, from the farm on Friday yeah. up in there. Yeah, shortly after that, I almost hit a tree with my arrow. Whoops. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, I that, didn't. It was gut shot. Yeah, that arrow sunk low. <laughs> Would have killed him. Man. <laughs> just had to back out, give him a few hours. I, I had just got done eating some... What was I eating? It was grease. It was oh brats, and I was afraid that the grease on my hands was gonna let my hand, my handheld release fly, and uh, oh, you shoot a handheld release. I am. I think I'm, you're better than us. Yeah, lording it over everybody. Let me tell you something, Alan. That pulled pork. The pork shoulder oh, I, that he smoked. I regret so missing that. We had the we had this Cabela <laughs> smoker there. How how many hours was that rolling? 10 hours. Ten hours. That, it was unbelievably good. And that deer Ugh. queso, we actually used a variation of Taylor's Killing the, uh, Kill the Kitchen recipe mm-hmm. that's on the Dre Outdoors Instagram page. It was so good, man. So, and later that night, I saw Ben. I mean, he's not intern Ben, but he's new, mm-hmm. new guy Ben. Yeah. The guy that MGB. ran over the whole box of clays. This dude literally... We hadn't shot any. He backs up over an entire box of clays and oh, shatters God. all of them. 
Luckily, we had a second box. Run them over. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You're going to see that on a reel here shortly on the Drew Outdoors yeah, we'll page. we'll have to make sure it makes but its way to the But late Facebook that page. night, I'm not saying that Ben was hungry for any other reason than he had a long day, oh, okay. but he was just chowing down on that queso, and I'm thinking, like, this has got to be hard as a rock. Like, Is he, like, digging into it oh, with a yeah. spoon? Digging on it. I mean, after the initial... Like on the, the grill, yeah. yeah. I was out <laughs> after that. Too many hands, too yeah. many hands inside the old queso. <laughs> I don't know where those fingers have been. People were catching catfish, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. The sanitation was yeah, it's not like questionable. Soap just about soap. <laughs> out and about. Who needs soap? <sighs> All right. Well, Adam, we look forward to following your season this year with your new properties, and hopefully, there's some. Good big surprises walking around those woods for you. Huge. Well, thank you. I sure hope so. Heck yeah. Well, I'd say that about does it for us today. It really should. We should remind people next week's show is episode number 278. I'm replaying this whole thing in my mind. Adam at the beginning said he's been looking forward to doing this for a long time, but I don't believe that you listen to this podcast, sir. Maybe that's why. I've listened to a few. <laughs> oh, I think he's full of crap. Maybe he was waiting to get on the show before he could fully endorse yeah. it by giving us his <laughs> listens. Let like, this be a lesson to future Jury Outdoors team members that come on this here podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to call you out. <laughs> yeah. If you're not a Rack Pack member and if you don't listen to this podcast, get the hell out of here. We know the IP addresses <laughs> of everyone who listens to this show. And we I'm going to become a member, I guess, now. So, yeah, uh, I Adam, need to. I know you're probably going to go back and listen to this because that's just the ego side of what we do. We want to hear the one we're on. But Ooh. you should go back and listen to the one before it <laughs> because that's where all the fun and games happened. And then just work your way up. From here on, you can start last week's episode and go from there. Perfect. I'll do it. Just all don't right. expect to learn anything. No, no, no. Just no. a good time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah. we're also, we, we should tell people that we're working on a little something. It's an experiment. We may tell me more. Do some experimenting with having podcast fans on the show. Mm, there's we a might. big, big asterisk by May. <laughs> there's, there's probably going to be a tryout process. Yeah, you can't suck on camera. Like you can't just get on here and be like, we ask a question and it's like, yes, no, uh, hi. Could I? Phone a friend, like, please. We struggle enough to have one of these episodes get through from start to finish. We yes. don't need to carry more dead weight. Yes. So we carry each other for so, sakes. Right. <laughs> we need help really badly. So it's it may be something that we do. So be looking in the rack pack for some opportunities to maybe audition to be on to be a guest on the show. So I thought you were gonna deep tease the fact that we're now testing out a feature inside Deercast. As we speak, as of today, fresh off the press. Fresh off the griddle. It's called Test Flight, the little beta version we use. We now have, I don't know if I'm on which camera I'm on, we now have dun dun dun. Sharing. No, that's not what I'm going to say because no. we don't have that, Tim. <laughs> We're working on that. That's the release say. after that. That might be next week. You. I just really deep teased it. <laughs> Aren't you the editor-in-chief of DeerCast? You know this. <laughs> all right, we have colors now for all the areas and food plots and all that stuff. So it was just like the deer cast color for the outline yep. and the and kind of the area color. But now we have a color palette. So you could change Pick all em. those different colors around. And let me tell you, I didn't realize 
I needed this in my life until I'm switched all my food plots and all my colors around. It's the nice virtual to have. rainbow of a property now. That's right. So I'm just saying that's going to be coming. This podcast will come out tomorrow, tomorrow, Wednesday the 3rd. This release might be end of the week or early next week. And then shortly after that, the sharing of waypoints and rain stations and food plots and all that stuff will be coming down the pipeline. We're, we haven't got to the testing of that yet, but it is it just gets better done. and better. That's right. By the time mm-hmm. the fall hits, oh, and we actually added a couple more uh, waypoints too. There's like there's stuff for like bulbs. There's stuff for wheat, corn. Like we, we, we just we, had clover before. Yeah, we're just going to continue to update that waypoint library as we go. Or yeah. is it library? Mm-hmm. That's mm. that's how my son forever. Like he's in second grade, but it, like as kindergarten and first, he's like, I had a library today. I love that. Yeah, my <laughs> yes. wife and her are always like, what do you have? <laughs> it's just it funny to hear it. Yeah. Library? Yeah, Bo can't say remember. He says, be member. Yeah. Be member we went to the mall. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. Yes. All, All right. right. Now, once we start talking about our kids, that's when you got to get, get – that's when we got to end the podcast. because yeah, Adam can chime in and so, – Well, officially, yeah, no one cares at that point. Nobody wants to hear about your kids. My, uh, my kids, your kids, his kids. Nobody do cares. Tell. <laughs> All right, gang. Well, thanks for tuning in this week. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Adam. We appreciate you jumping on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Where it's been can fun. people find your business and your Instagram handle and all that good stuff? Yep. So I've got a Facebook page. Um, it's, it's called Northwest Missouri Land Management. Um, I just started it up here two or three weeks ago. Um, but I do have a skid loader. I'm going to have a, um, a rotary mulcher. Um, I've got tree pullers. Like My main focus is going to be going um, to people's properties and clearing brush you know, to plant food plots or trying to get CRP back into, you know, CRP programs or, or whatever, you know, but um, I've already got a lot of work lined up. So um, it's looking like it's going to be a good, uh, you know, another good gig. I'm pretty excited about so it. So I need to know, will you go to Iowa or Illinois or these other oh, states? Yeah, I actually got some stuff, some stuff I've got scheduled in Southern Iowa right now. So because your name makes it sound like you're being statist. Above the, about true. the other states. I didn't think about that. Well, you go to Kansas. These are the questions I, I need answers to. I will travel. I've actually I got a, a place out. Um, one of my buddies out in Illinois, Western Illinois. He's want me to come out there and spend a couple of days doing some clearing out there. So I will travel. Um, for the most part, you know, I'm an hour and a half northeast of Kansas City. Um, I'm going to try to stay within an hour, roughly hour and a half tops. Mm-hmm. Especially with fuel prices and stuff right now, it's just ridiculous. Oh, you know. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, we appreciate you giving the info out and good luck. I think uh, you probably have, like you said, you got a lot of work already, but you're probably going to have a ton of work uh, after this podcast because it's so popular. (laughs) (laughs) I will link up your Facebook page in the show notes if folks want to check you out. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah, and we just need a small finder's fee for any clients that come through. If anybody's listening to this and they're going to use Adam's business, you at least need to tell them you heard about it on the podcast. Yeah. And Adam, just relay that. I'm not saying you got to pay us money or bribe us to keep talking about your business. But if you wanted to. Come rip out some trees for us. Yeah, I mean, I would take payment in the form of you planting all of our food plots. (laughs) (laughs) Scott just raised his hand. (laughs) Scott. The guy that this really matters. <laughs> All right, yeah. man. Well, good no, luck with everything this fall. Yeah. Same here. Appreciate you. Till next time. We'll see you. Peace Bye-bye. out. 
DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind checkout to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast.